This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. Hey there, and welcome back to Healing in Hindsight, your no be a source for thriving with diabetes. We're going to ask, how on earth do we put ourselves first when we're living with a chronic illness? Oftentimes, it feels like when you're living with some type of chronic condition, it takes over everything. And so that means that is the only thing that you can focus on at that point, who you are as a person, your career, everything seems to just take a back seat to that. I thought it would be great to sit down with a guest who works with others living with diabetes, more specifically type one, but I feel like what she teaches is helpful for anybody living with diabetes on how we can gain trust back with our bodies and start to lead again with who we are and work with our condition in a way that still makes sure that we're doing okay but doesn't take away the essence of who we are. Sometimes it feels all we are is our disease at that point and that there's nothing else that can be first in that matter. Excited to talk with Elizabeth Pointer and she is a not only type one, but she is a coach as well. She is helping others learn how to have a harmonious relationship with their bodies and their illness and still be able to be a normal human being because that's all we want to be at the end of the day. So let's do it. Perfect. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. What's up? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennials living with diabetes have an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and I had no one around my age to understand how I could still travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset perspective and lifestyle changes that are unique to you, together, we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk for those living with diabetes. Minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. Hi, Lissy. How are you today? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm equally excited to have you. Uh, it's cool to not only meet uh, someone else who totally gets the diabetes space, but also as a podcaster as well. I love your approach about things. I'm just really grateful to have you here. So thank you so much for for your time today. Yeah, thank you. I feel like we could probably talk all day, but it's about the conversation and especially being podcasters. So I'm definitely <laughs> excited. There'll be good nuggets inside. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something that really just attracted me to what you do and what you're talking about is just supporting people with their journey and their relationship with their bodies and this chronic illness. And that's what brought me to the question of the show is like, how do we you know, put ourselves first because it's so very easy to immediately let diabetes take over everything and question everything. And every time that I have an ache in my body, is that diabetes or is that something else? So like all of these just constant um, awkward companionship, I would almost say. I have to have you around. I wish I didn't. Yeah. And it feels like all the attention goes there. I would love for people to just get to know who you are. And so if you could just share where you're from, um, your diagnosis story and what led you to deep dive into health coaching specifically? Yeah, so my name is Lucy. I'm from New Jersey, born and raised here. Central New Jersey is a place, I promise. Some people, that's like the hot debate around here, but from central New Jersey, right by the shore, 
not the Jersey Shore where you see all the poofs and that whole show. Very different when you live here. But I was diagnosed with diabetes, type 1 diabetes, when I was 19. So I had a lot of years without it. I was a freshman at Penn State actually in my spring semester when I was diagnosed. So I had just gone over the flu. I had been sick for about two or three weeks when I started noticing all the closet symptoms, feeling really thirsty, using the bathroom a lot. But there was one really alarming symptom of I had woken up one morning and we have very tiny dorm rooms at Penn State. It was a big school. So those rooms were probably as big as my office right now. And I had gotten up and I had looked over at my roommate who was maybe six feet away and I couldn't really see her. My vision was very blurred which to me, that was the biggest concern. I'm like, okay, maybe I can pass off being thirsty. I can pass off using the bathroom because I was thirsty, because I was recovering from the flu. But this was like the biggest red flag. So yeah, I had gone to the university health services. They basically said, don't make an appointment, come in right in the morning, which that was like a huge alarm for me because I went to a school with 40,000 people. Yeah, It was hard to get an appointment in general. So for them to say, don't make an appointment, come in first thing in the morning. That was like, all right, something's off here. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty much diagnosed on the spot. They didn't really have to do much. They took my blood, all the tests, and it was pretty much confirmed right then and there, which I'm really lucky because I've heard so many stories of misdiagnosis, like months and months of not knowing what's going on. So I was very lucky in that aspect. So yeah, I was basically diagnosed when I was a freshman in school. And those four years were pretty much just managing, taking the injections, checking my blood sugar, maybe three or four times a day, not really understanding the depth of what this was actually doing to my body Mm -hmm. and all the ins and outs of it. Four years later, I graduated in energy engineering, which a lot of people are always surprised about because I'm a health coach now. So I think that just goes to show don't make a decision like that when you're 18. But it's just (laughs) mine. I had gotten a job in Miami. So I had moved a thousand miles away from home from New Jersey. And it was actually three four, no, sorry, three days before my diversary that I was diagnosed with um, ulcerative colitis, which is now I'm more formally diagnosed with Crohn's. Mm. So that was the first moment where I was really like, "Mm, okay, something's, there's, there's now a pattern. Before with diabetes, it was like, okay, I have this autoimmune disease. My dad has thyroid disease. I can connect that with the autoimmune gene. But now there's a pattern here (laughs) that maybe all this stress accumulated on my body, something's going on. And it's really from then that I had started really looking at more of those environmental factors, the stress management, what I was putting into my body, who I was surrounding myself with, that I realized all of the impacts that those had on both my diabetes management and my, my colitis at the time. I had actually gone in a pretty toxic relationship at the time, pretty verbally abusive. So it this buildup of events of being away from my family, being in this poor relationship, being in a job that I really hated. And it took leaving that sick scenario and looking at all of those different factors, like my environment, my like my career, the people I was surrounding myself with, my social life, that it, I realized, okay, those had a big part of my management and my also my colitis. Like now I'm in remission. My A1C went down to a 5.7 as soon as I left those scenarios and started taking that holistic approach. So that was like the biggest aha moment of there's more to these diagnoses than we're led to believe in our typical healthcare provider's office. 
So that was, that was in 2019 by the time I figured that out. So now I'm like full in it. That's why I teach my clients. Um, and we, we really take that holistic approach. So I know that was a long answer, but definitely a a big story. It's crazy how I I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for my diagnosis either. I I try to almost as much as it's like annoying of just like, really? (laughs) Of like Mm -hmm. me, like why does this have to happen kind of thing? Cause I was 25. So Mm -hmm. I was out of the college life, but I was still living it deal. And so to thrust on a young adult, all of these additional decisions to make when you're just trying to ensure that you're having your career, you're following the the typical American dream steps, but to have this kind of, you, you don't think that you're going to deal with medical stuff until you're way older. So it definitely is eye-opening to have these experiences so young and just do a full pivot because it's just, okay, I see where my parents works. Both of my parents live with type two and the I don't, I don't even know. Yes, lack of information, but time. I've got two kids. I've got a husband or a wife and I've got a job that I've been in for forever. And who, what, how do I have the time to even sit down and really understand why this is? I'm just going to take drugs, do what I got to do kind of thing. So I think it, it's always interesting to hear how people come to this kind of miniature awakening of, ah, maybe this, I need to change something because something's not adding up. It's not making sense. And it, it starts to get weird when you're like, nobody sees how this doesn't make sense. So just me? Yeah, like make it make sense. I don't understand. So I totally get it. Wow. Wow. So you got a double whammy there. And as soon as you started to make more than just food shifts, all of it started to change. And I think that's huge how environments can really impact us so deeply and, and a lot more passively than we think. Definitely had a similar situation where like I was at my heaviest, I was getting zero support. And so it, it, didn't put me in a position to want to try, honestly, because it's just like, why? There's nothing around me until I got out of that. Hey, kudos to you for getting out of that and turning all that around. Definitely want to acknowledge that. So I want to really start to talk about how, especially when you're working with clients now, what you find the most difficult thing to do when you're trying to live with a chronic illness holistically, like Crohn's or like diabetes, because I think especially when it's something that feels more of a burden than it is something that's helpful for you, it can be really hard to see it as like a harmonious relationship. Because when you hear the word harmony, it it sounds positive. It sounds like it's supposed to be good. But when you pair that with a disease, which sounds and has been labeled as negative, you're just like, how how can I have harmony with the disease? That doesn't even feel right. So I'm curious as to what your take is on how we can approach that and how people struggle with that when they're trying to just get by, basically. (laughs) Yeah, and that's an important question to ask because I feel like the biggest thing that we all go through, no matter what, when you're diagnosed with a a condition like this, is that we go into that all or nothing thinking because we're told okay by our doctors, just do this, just take your injections, or some of my clients are told that that dangerous information of just eat really healthy or eat low carb and just exercise more which kind of gets us into the spiral thinking of, okay, now I just need to do this every single day. I can't have the bread. I can't have the foods that I typically love. And now I have to work out every single day, which is then putting more stress on our body. But we tend to have this all or nothing thinking. So I think that is the biggest, almost our the biggest thing holding us back because we're told like this, we think of it as like an equation of, okay, if I just count my carbs, if I just take my injection, if I just exercise, everything will be fine. But then we start living it, we start managing, we start doing the things that we are told, and everything is not fine. Mm-hmm. 
either our A1C is, for me, a big thing was that I was doing those things and my A1C was okay. I was a 6.8 in the range that my doctor wanted it to be, but I was feeling awful. I felt like shit all the time. Every time I brought that to my doctor, they just gave me me this overgeneralized, well, you're doing great. This is what it's supposed to look like. And then what does that lead us to? We have that mindset of, oh, I have this condition. This is what it's supposed to feel like. So I'm just going to accept that. And that's that sucks. That really sucks to say, okay, this is my new quality of life when there can be more. So I think going back to that question of we have to overcome that part of that acceptance and almost accept that there's more to it that we can be involved or that we can just bring into that quality of life. Oh, I kind of forget what the rest of the question was. No, I actually wanted to to pause there because you touched on something that I even recently experienced and it didn't really dawn on me until a little bit later because I was so emotionally charged from it. So I didn't know as someone living with type two that I was supposed to see an endocrinologist. In fact, an endocrinologist never came up. It was me and my primary. They're like, here's a metformin, do the things. Here's a pamphlet, do the things. And I'm like, okay. And my only resource at the time were my parents, but my parents, their life was completely different in their 20s. They were already together. They were already married. They already had me and my sister. Like there was no, I live by myself. I'm dating. I'm doing all these other things. And so there was only so much that I could take from them because they hadn't had that lived in experience. And then when I finally get to an endocrinologist after being with this condition for five years, now six, same thing. Did I get valuable information? Sure. Had I, at that point, been better about advocating for myself? Sure. But he still said, count carbs, cardio four to five times a week. And I'm like, you talking to the wrong one when it comes to that, sir. Like, I'm not downloading it. I've been there, done that, hated it. Cardio makes me cringe, but now I ride a Peloton. That's really weird. P- posing it to me in that way, it didn't help. It didn't really give me any, how do I adjust to Taylor's lifestyle? Because I, I did my best to tell him, here's how I live. Here's what I'm doing. Help me fill in the blanks kind of thing. And that's where I feel like a lot of us get the short end of the stick, no matter, you know, what type that we have is that nobody's really filtering in our lifestyles and saying, here's how this can fit into you. It's just this general arching theme. And I feel like we're starting to see a big shift of, hey, that's not, that's not the way to do it. It's very unique. How do three people who have type two have three different medication regimens? and three different set of numbers and all of these things. So if it's so generalized, we'd all be the same, but it's right. not. <laughs> and so I think that's something that is so baffling is how we don't put any uniqueness into treatment anymore. But now we're starting to, because we're starting to speak up and say, I'm not like the last person who was just in this room. So I need you to really absorb what I'm saying and give me solutions that can support how I'm living. And I think that shows how flawed the healthcare system really is, which... To a certain extent, it's like, how much can we truly change when there are healthcare provider shortages and we only, ha- they truly only have maybe 20 minutes to see us every three months. How are you going to really learn a person in that amount of time? So I think the beautiful thing about now and having this online space is we get to see the other people's experiences and we get to actually say, oh, things can be different and I don't have to just meet the status quo. When I was diagnosed, like the biggest thing around, Instagram was definitely a thing, but there wasn't like coaches or healthcare providers posting on there. So I was going to like YouTube to see what other people were doing, but there weren't many YouTubers. I would just see Nick Jonas videos and he's the most unrelatable (laughs) ever. Yeah. Privilege. Yeah. Um, So in a way, we almost do have to advocate for ourselves and make those other connecting points to say, 
how can I make this work for me? Because nobody's teaching us how to do it other than this community right here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's something where it's, it gets sticky even there because now we have the internet doctors. Of, mm -hmm. I found all of this information and I don't know why we still rely on Wikipedia when anybody can change the information. Stuff like that. I never want to rag on the people that spent years in school and thousands of dollars to have that doctor title and be able to guide. But also at the same time, recognizing that the way that they even gained information, like to find out you only spent one day on nutrition and maybe a chapter on, if, if it's not your specialty, like if you're not going into endocrinology to learn about hormones, then you're not really touching it that much. You just know the overarching health factors of like obesity causes diabetes and all these other <laughs> things that don't really fit. It's just to get you through the test, like some of our school systems, unfortunately. And so it's balancing that out and not trying to discredit what doctors can do. But yes, I do appreciate that this rise and people wanting to step up and do health coaching and, and take the time to dig deeper and I didn't even know that they were diabetes certified specialists until, what, last two years? And learning how they actually fit in to the process. And when I worked closely with one at a previous uh, job, she was like, yeah, I was always in the endo office. You saw me more than you saw the endo. And I was the one telling the endo what the plan should be. And they were just the ones to put the numbers and make sense and dosage. And I'm like, what? Like, where? <laughs> why don't we know this, A? And why aren't there more of y'all? And why aren't, and, and then you learn that they have such a hard time getting their hours for certification. I'm just like, but diabetes is on the rise. But, but diabetes is becoming this unspoken pandemic. And we're not doing anything about it when there's plenty of information in history to do that. And we just need to advance the learnings a little bit. So it's so crazy to, you know, see this kind of tipping scale and trying to understand, like, how can I trust when I know the back systems aren't really working well and the you know, business side of the systems are definitely not working well, the fact that I'm still fighting with my insurance for medication, all these other things come into play. So yeah, I, I just, it, it's just, it just blows my mind because I'm just like, there's too many people that need help <laughs> and we're sitting here running around in circles. Yeah, but honestly, that's where I see like the health coaching industry as a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, there's a lot of kind of arguments online about okay, health coaches are trying to be doctors now. And honestly, if you're going within your scope and you're acting with an integrity and ethically, then that shouldn't be an issue because honestly, there is this missing gap that the health coaching industry fills. Yeah. And that is that lifestyle factor. That's exactly what health coaching is. That's what I learned in my certification. It wasn't how to take the place in the mm -hmm. doctor's office. It's how can we be supplemental? Because we know in our current healthcare system, that is not something being talked about because there's just not the capacity. Yeah. So how can we fill that gap? So I do think it's like this really like beautiful rise that's, that's coming. I'm excited about it. I love the transformations that our clients see just from that simple aspect of focus. But you're right, there's just so many, there's a lot of system flaws that still need to be worked out, but hopefully we're getting closer. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see health coaches um, being just as integrated in the medical teams as anything else, like at the point that my primary is asking, okay, or, and also this technology. So like my setup, they can see everything. A lot of people use like my chart type stuff. Everything talks to each other. So my dietitian can see what my primary is doing and what my endo is doing. And, and then they'll ask, hey, when you go to your eye doctor, grab whatever information there. And, and there's that conversation going, okay, let me refer you to this specialist or whatever. And but even with the dietitians that are working in clinics, I do see a 
bit more of a shift of more holistic approach, I will say with the lady that I was working with, but I would love to see health coaches come in deeper because dietitians are also still set up in that same way of, I got you for 30 minutes and that's it. I might be able to see you more frequently, but it's still not as well. And like you said, with the technology aspect, the diabetes care specialists that I work with now, we have phone call every other mm -hmm. week and it makes it easier because that goals based off of what's going on in my life and not necessarily off of, okay, what are your medications doing? We talk about that and we then set up a game plan of, okay, when I reach out to my doctor's team or whatever, like, here's what I need to say and talk through or ask about. But just having that perspective, and I think that's, I, I always value perspective. And so the fact that we're not taking perspective of, it makes me think of almost like middle management having been in middle management in my, my corporate careers, of, you're literally speaking for the people. So, hey, upper management, doctors, medical professionals, here's what's going on with people on the front lines and why they're disgruntled. Can you please provide these things? And we'll make sure it's handled and that everybody's happy. And so I do very much hope that, and I feel like it is happening, that the health coaching space is, like you said, that supplemental gap and that there's just more integration of, hey, I get that a lot of health coaching certifications are shorter than what doctors spend. And so there's that aspect of that. But I'm like, we're not here to learn how to look through a microscope and dissect things. No, we're just here to learn people's, it's like psychology and sociology. That's the best way I, my brain can do it. They both yeah. think about the mind and how it works, but one's in a social setting and one's in a singular mm -hmm. setting. So right. let's work together. Both exist in the same space. And so uh, I, I really hope to see that. Yeah, so my, my next question, I really want to understand how has your relationship with your body changed over time because it's it's great to see such a huge shift and and I'm sure you've seen this with your clients too but we only get one that we're aware of I know we watch all the I don't know if you're a sci-fi watcher but we see all the things body switching all that I don't know if we'll ever get to that stage at least in this lifetime but you only get one and so how do you find and appreciate something that you're frustrated with and that you want to see changes in or that you want to take things out or put things in or whatever and be able to just coexist with this thing that you have to keep uh, an eye out on your shoulder. It's a hard concept for sure. I was, like I said, I was diagnosed when I was 19. Before that, I was a gymnast for 10 years. All I really knew was feeling strong. Like my best friend in middle school called me man arms because I literally was, I was jacked. Like, I was <laughs> and so I was used to feeling strong. I was used to my doctors just told, telling me I was little, I was petite. And so they were always like, just eat anything you want, eat anything you want. They're like, as long as you're eating, you're good. So then when I was 19, diagnosed with type one, it was almost, I felt very blindsided because I was like, all I've known is trusting my body for the past 19 years. And now suddenly I don't know what I can eat. I don't know what I can eat. I don't know why this happened. There were so many things going on. And now I'm having all those outside perspectives of cut out gluten. Don't let them don't let them give you insulin because then you'll be dependent for the rest of your life. All those outside conversations that happen in, in the beginning. And then fast forward four years, I'm hit with another chronic illness, yeah. which now is not just about blood sugar numbers, but it's about physical pain. And that for me, like I could handle the diabetes at, at that point. Like I felt, okay, this is a part of my life. I've, I've integrated it for four years now, but bring on physical pain. It is a very, it's very different. And I had a hard time, you know, trusting any food I was putting in my body. I'm like, okay, I know how to handle the blood sugars, but now what can I eat to not cause inflammation? Like, how can I bring this part into it now? And so I stopped eating because it was just easier not to have to think about it. I didn't want to work out because I didn't feel strong anymore. There's a lot going on where 
I had no trust in my body. And at the time, I didn't think that there were any learning lessons to be made there. I was like, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And there's no upside. But again, to your point, I think we touched on it. It's like these diagnoses teach us how to take care of our body. Yeah. That's like the perspective I had to shift to. Of I can either spend this energy hating my body and resenting it and not trusting it, or I can flip this switch and say, I'm going to learn how to take care of it and I'm going to meet my body where it is. And that's where things changed. That's where you start bringing in these diagnoses to all those other areas of your life. And that's how you start trusting again. Like, I, I feel like I am healthier, like in a weird sense. Like you go to your doctor's office and you hear these diagnoses and all the medications you're on and they're like, you're not healthy. But in a sense, I feel healthier than I have ever felt because I know that I'm nourishing my body. I know what it needs like through the exercise that I'm doing. I, I'm learning more about my hormonal health. I'm just, I'm taking care of it more from the inside out and, and both ends. So I think it's in how we view what this diagnosis is doing. Do we want to resent it? Some days there's, it's still going to happen. Of yeah. course, there are days where I'm like a few weeks ago, we were going to a wedding and my, my pump leaked, my blood sugar was sitting at 400 all day. I was leaving, like I was traveling from New Jersey to Philadelphia for this wedding. And I'm like, this is not the time or the place. And I'm mad that this is even happening. That's always going to happen. Yeah. But I, again, I think it's just it's like, how do we want, where do we want to spend this energy? What's more conducive to our health and our overall wellness? So that to me was a huge learning curve in just that aspect of maybe there's still sometimes I don't trust it completely, but how am I going to go about that? Yeah, you made me think about cognitive behavior disorders and mm -hmm. how when I was learning about it, um, how your body processes emotions and that each emotion, anger being the most strong. And I actually replace anger with passion now because I'm trying to remove negative ideas around those things because it's just a feeling and it's not a, a bad feeling either. It's, it happens to all of us. But that at most, your body responds to emotion within 90 seconds and then it's over. Mm -hmm. But because of our, you know, supercomputer up here, it continues to replay that memory and process that feeling over and over again. That's where this kind of grudge, long feeling comes from, is that the, the mind can't separate time. Of You actually only experience this for like less than two minutes, but it feels like you're mad all day <laughs> because you're just repeating the same thing over and over again. And when I learned that, it blew my head because I used to get so bothered by people who would have something happen to them whether it was their fault or not. And it, it's something that you feel like, oh, you should be sad or angry or, or whatever we've associated negative feelings with. And they're not. They're just like, that happened. Here's how I'm going to deal with it. And they move on. I'm like, what God-given gold are you, you know, hiding from us that... You smoke it. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you just get over it? And, and after learning that, it's just, okay, it's just all about, like you said, the perspective. How do we shift that? Because it doesn't change that it happened. And of course, we want to acknowledge the emotions and the feelings and that it's something that we're going through. But um, spending so much time angry is so much more exhausting. And I try because there are moments where I'm like in my relationships and, and people that I'm with, I'm like, I really want to just be mad at you right now. I really want to be bothered by you right now, but I can't. So I either choose to, to put up the front because I want to prove a point <laughs> or I can drop it and move on. And I think that's something that's so powerful when we are trying to really come to terms with our bodies and, and something I had to spend. I think what I appreciated about the pandemic, if, if we can appreciate anything about it, is that time to myself where I couldn't run. 
And I had to really sit and be like, okay, this is where we're at. You know? Hey, y'all. So really quick, I just had to pause to talk to you about a service that I've actually been using for a couple of months now. And that service is 9AM Health. And 9AM Health is a virtual diabetes clinic that has pretty much everything that you need, which makes it so easy to manage without having to leave my house. I'm talking A1C labs done from home. I'm talking medication shipped directly to your house. I'm talking having your own diabetes care specialist who's educated in nutrition and diabetes care, who helps you with all of the little things that go in between management, things like helping with food or lifestyle changes or changing certain habits. They will support you in all of that. Or if you just need somebody to talk to you because it's one of those burnout weeks, right? So 9AM Health has been super great and it's made my life a lot easier especially because it's so cheap. I don't even have to use insurance. It is so much cheaper than what I was paying with insurance. So I'm really grateful for 9AM Health and everything that they're providing in order to make someone like myself have an easier time with diabetes care management because we all know it can be really challenging, but to know that I can text, call, or send them a message on the online app in order to get support, whether that's, hey, I don't know how my medication is going or, hey, I really need to talk to somebody because it's just, I just don't want a diabetes today or being able to work with my diabetes care specialist on some of the mental blocks that I might have. It makes such a different experience because I'm being met where I'm at. And I don't know about you, but trying to take off time from work to go to the doctor, having to sit in the waiting room for 30 minutes only to meet with your doctor for five, it's just such an archaic experience, and I really feel that 9AM Health changes all of that. So would love for you to try it out. Visit 9am.health to learn more or click the link in the show notes and tell them I sent you. Yeah, I think it's okay to have that grieving process. Yeah. If there's anything I wish, because when I was diagnosed, my, my advisors, my professors were telling me this would be a good time to withdraw because you're in the spring semester, take the rest of the semester in the summer and come back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not an option. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm not doing that. Because again, more of that stubbornness than anything else. But at the same time, I do, looking back, I think having that time to grieve and to actually at least be able to process, okay, what do I want this to look like for me? Instead of just going in the day to day, okay, now I have to manage, now I have to check my blood sugar, just go. I think it would have been a time well spent to to take that. And I'm I'm glad that you got that with the the pandemic. I know a lot of my clients actually did too. Yeah. Which I think is yeah, if there's anything we can appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that should be a part of our of treatment plans. Because like you said, we're conditioned, uh, especially when we're in like jobs and school, like you only get so much time off. You don't get to to do this but yet once something major happens i'm just gonna pick on the pandemic because it's the easiest oh you can work from home it is possible for companies to shift business at home oh you can take time off and the business isn't burned to the ground because you you know came in contact with something that's life-altering and how is that any different than something that goes beyond getting a shot and and the sniffles and going home and i really do wish that they would implement a grieving process of Hey, when you're diagnosed, whether you're in school, whether you're at work or whatever, you should be, whether it's a doctor's note or whatever, and of course it requires companies to stop being assholes too, <laughs> of, hey, oh, this story. Th- 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 yeah, this thing just happened. 
this person, get, allow them two weeks to figure out and adjust how this is supposed to be in their life. Because that's something that, I don't know about you, but felt rushed is, yes. okay, I get home and I'm so overwhelmed with what I have to shift. I don't know where to start outside of take the meds. And do I toss everything out of the fridge? That's hundreds of dollars. Just making sure I have what I thought was energy for this body. But now I got to shift how I'm thinking about it. I definitely think that one of the ways that we can take back our lives with diabetes is just having that time to say, this sucks. And I, yeah. I just need to process that this sucks and be able to piece by piece shift things and not feel like I have to overhaul everything immediately. I really wish that was something that, that our treatment plans implemented because nobody prepares you for the mental curveball that is, hey, this is your everyday now. And for a lot of people, for the rest of your oh, life. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, walking to my endocrinologist appointment or that first university health services appointment where I was diagnosed, I had done the Googling. So I, I walked in and said, you're okay, this is going to be type 1 diabetes. But even no matter how much you prepare yourself for that moment, you're not prepared. Yeah. Because I still didn't know what carb counting was. I didn't even know what a carb was at that point, which is embarrassing, but didn't know what a carb was. You don't expect the injections to happen right away. Yeah. You're not, no matter how prepared you are, you're not prepared. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree. There needs to be that time. So that leads me to, to my next question. And I've heard variations of responses to this, but it's always, to me, a good thing to talk about it, is how do we lead our medical team instead of them controlling us because that's what it feels like sometimes of even when I met with my endo they were like I do everything with your diabetes now and I'm like shouldn't we talk to my primary too though shouldn't do I just show up to my next point like hey you don't get to talk about this anymore which I get that they understand that but it was just so abrupt and it just for years felt like I'm just being strung along mm -hmm. versus I'm the person who is the coach on this team and y'all are my star players to help me get the W, right? And so what do we do to start that process with our medical teams? Because there's obviously a lot of people involved. And sometimes with gaining titles and information and, and all that, there comes this arrogance that you should listen to me and I shouldn't have to follow what you say, y'all. Definitely valid. I think we're in this, we're conditioned to have this reliance on our doctors. And that comes from that same attitude that you're talking about of, I know this better than you do, which, okay, yes, they went to school for it. They understand the science behind it. But majority of our endocrinologists or doctors or physicians are not living with the same condition. Yeah. So as easy and as much of a equation, quote unquote, that they might see this as, it is almost never that way. So the first thing that I always like talk to my clients about is like, what does that relationship look like right now? Are you reliant on that relationship? Do, where do you feel ownership in your, in your diabetes right now? Yes, you're doing it day to day, but do you actually have that ownership when you're in that appointment? So I think it's okay to like to preface in that like you're allowed to change your doctor. Yeah, You're allowed to go get different consultations. You're allowed to see, like you're allowed to get referrals. You're allowed to do that. There is nothing saying that you have to see the same doctor, even if it was your childhood doctor and now you're an adult and they're not giving you the support that you need. It is okay to change. I did that. I was seeing an NP and I thought that she was just very like simplifying everything, giving me over generalized advice. And I stayed within the same uh, hospital, but I actually found a new doctor and I love her now. She's very, we're on the same page. She's, I'm here when you need me, but when you come to your appointments, I'm expecting you to show up with the questions of what you need. We'll go through the but I'll ask you a question. And if you're telling me that was just a rough day, all right, we're good. 
you want to make adjustments to your insulin management, go at, have at it. We'll talk about it when I see you in three months. So I think it's okay to find those providers that are giving, that they're just that extra leg of support. They're asking you what you need and answering the questions that you have, but how are they empowering you to take control over your own diagnosis? Because in those three months, if you're seeing your endo every 90 days, they're not holding your hand in those 90 days. We need to figure out how to take ownership. One thing that we do in our programs is we start just by looking at the data, which is almost like the hardest part of sometimes of looking, we're looking at numbers all day. Yeah. We're looking at our blood sugars, we're looking at our carb counts, we're calculating how much insulin that we need if we're on insulin. So it can be really hard to actually confront that data, but we start by doing it every week, not by looking at it of like how good or bad did I do? What's my score? What's my grade? But looking at it just from that non-judgmental lens of like, what's going on this week? And most of the time, what happens with my clients is that they actually end up showing up to their doctor's office, feeling more empowered by the numbers. They don't feel scared of when they're going through their reports. And they go in with a lot more questions. I had one client who went through the program and she saw the same doctor for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like she's been that doctor for a long time. And she like showed up. She's like, okay, I I know I need to do this. I have this question about my basal rate. My timing range is this. And he just looked at her and he's like, is this the same person that I've been seeing in my office for the past 20 years? Because that's never happened. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, finding those points of ownership that you have in the diagnosis, whether it's the numbers or specific areas, whatever that is, like identifying that first, I think is huge. And of course, finding somebody that you you feel supported by in that office. Yeah, I think it's huge what you said about it's okay to change your medical team. And I think for a long time, I was nervous about that because one, insurance, and even just sometimes finding, uh, it's like we meant to find an endo. And even when my primary referred, they uh, were private pay. I was mm-hmm. like, millennial year, so I'm not living on the paycheck that y'all think I should be living on. So uh, I need to make sure that the co-pays are low and all that kind of stuff like that. But yeah, I have a three-strike rule now of mm-hmm. I will see you three times. And if I'm not feeling that we are understanding each other, that we are, are building a rapport and a relationship that is going to be progressive for my health, then I need to find somebody else. And that's almost like treat it just like dating. If you see red flags on a date, you say no to the next one. So why not mm-hmm. do that with your medical team, but still have the conversation? Because at the end right. of the day, they're uh, still professionally inclined to support you. And so when I hear people say, yeah, my doctor would give me this test. I'm like, did you have that documented that they refused? Because they have to document that they refused to give you the test that you requested. And nine times out of 10, when you say, okay, I need to document that in my chart. They're like, actually, fine, whatever. If it's, it's your money kind of thing. It. Yeah, yeah. And those little things trip me up. Yes. I was like, what? Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Of like change doctors, get a second opinion. Yep. And I say be upfront about what your goal is. So I'm seeing you because this is the information I need. This is the kind of relationship that I want to have. We joke about if relationships were honest on the first date of I have these flaws, but I'm really great at this, but I expect this. All of those little videos stuff I laugh at. And I'm like, it's the same with your doctor, except you can actually do that. <laughs> and so, this, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's crazy. I, I had an appointment the other day, maybe two weeks ago. My current doctor is on maternity leave, so I had to see a fill-in. And I was dreading that appointment so much because I'm like, I know, I already know how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten, about a month ago, I, I went off of hormonal birth control just because I, you know, didn't like the effects it was having on my body. Yeah. So I was experiencing a lot more low blood sugars. 
And I went in and I had literally said, hey, you can see this. You can see like 15% low on my reports. I'm like, that's my concern for this appointment. And did she address that? No. Yeah. <laughs> she picked out one out of a week of data. She picked out the two high blood sugars that I had and said, well, it's like that you're having highs. I'm like, that's not what I came into this appointment for. And that's not the concern that I brought. So right. like, where are we going? I left that. I'm like, okay. All right, stop that appointment. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when you hear about not being listened to. The, so when I was before, the year before I was diagnosed, I had a conversation with my dad because I started to get concerned that I might be on, on trend to, to be diagnosed. And I spent the entire year prior trying to avoid my diagnosis because they're like, oh, type two, it's the beatable one. And I even hate hearing that sometimes because uh, I could have done everything still ended up here because of my family history. But the doctor that I saw, I said, diabetes runs in my family. Both of my parents have it. I was at my heaviest. I'm like, I know my health is not the greatest. I want to get tested to see where I'm at. And he monologued the entire appointment about just nonsensical health random shit. And at the end of the day, I was like, okay, but can I get this test though? <laughs> and still, and I was like, yeah. And I, I literally marked him, I never want to see this doctor again. Because he, he did not listen to me at all. And I'm just like, why is it so hard to hear a very simple request and do that? If you want to say your other nonsense, sure. But at least do the thing that I asked you. Because at least I'd be more willing to pay attention because you did the thing that I asked you. Right. That's so crazy. So I want to shift to your actual coaching business and your podcast, Keeping It 100, which I love the name, by the way. I like the kind of the double uh, ending there. I only just learned about unicorns like a year ago. And I've hit a couple and I would post them of, hey, I got my 100. Yay. So I love the play on the name. I think that's awesome. But I want to start with your wellness company, Needles and Spoons. And so after you made this huge pivot um, in your life and got out of all these situations to really take back hold of your relationship with your body, you started coaching others who are living with type one to have this harmonious relationship of, I love the, the name of your program, Beyond the A1C, because it feels like a report card every 90 days. And I've even found myself, because I had that same, similar situation of, hey, your numbers are great. I don't even think you need your CGM anymore. And I'd only just had it for like six months. I was like, no, that's the reason why I'm here. Why would I immediately take it away? No. So that kind of thinking, to, this is a bond that whether we like it or not, we're here, so we should work together. And so I would love to hear why you started that journey and how you are working with people to feel that middle ground that sometimes we're not getting from our healthcare team. Yeah. So again, like in that time where I had moved home from Miami, I had been making all these shifts myself. I had started to realize that the word, I think when we go on social media and we hear the word holistic, we're like, oh, they're anti-medicine or they're all about green smoothies and yoga all the time. Oh yeah. Like, this is very <laughs> over-stigmatized over uh, definition. And that's where I truly realized what the word holistic actually means. And it, it involves all those other areas of wellness. So I didn't, I took my certification uh, through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And one thing that they really, I think, do a really well, good job on is that they have this chart and it's called like the circle of life, not like the Lion King or anything like that. But, and it's all these areas of wellness that actually have nothing to do with our like the food that we're putting into our body or the nutrients or anything like that. So it's all about the our creativity, our home environment, our our education, our career, our finances, and like social relationships, all those things. And when we feel 
when we put the energy into those areas, we feel that's what true wellness is. So as I was starting to learn that and experiencing all these shifts in my own life, it clicked of if I can get diabetes to to coexist with these other areas of my life, I can feel like I have true ownership. I can feel like I have true control and that I'm not just chasing the roller coaster no matter where I go. So I went through the certification process and that's how our program, our signature program, TP100 came about. So I'm like, there people need to know about this because we are, there's so much advice in our endos office and yes, there's a time and a place, but nobody's talking about this. So we have a 10-week program that takes our clients through uh, basically a hybrid coaching experience. So there's a community aspect along with one-on-one coaching inside. I'm joined by two co-coaches who are absolutely incredible. We have a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator on our team to teach about the bowl strategies, nutrition. We have a women's wellness coach who talks about hormonal health. I myself am a health coach and personal trainer. So we talk about all about lifestyle and exercise and creating blood sugar supporting habits. So getting more of that true holistic experience that I wish that I had when I was first diagnosed and even years later. So that's how the program was born. Beyond the A1C is our private coaching experience so that people who want that true one-on-one experience that they're not getting in their endocrinologist office, they can get that experience too. So I love what we do. I love what we've created. It's been almost three years since we've created it. And I, I think it's we've had a lot of amazing client transformations that are more than just the blood sugar results. It's actually coexisting with this diagnosis, which is huge. Yeah. And that was one of the big things that really impressed me as I was just learning about more what you do and and how you serve people, because in in the wellness space and how we've seen it blown up, it's very easy for folks just to fall into. I'm just going to give you this. I don't want to say fake, but I feel like people are trying, but I'm going to give you this thing and it's supposed to just get this one result and that's it. And you don't really walk away. You have to keep coming back. And I think what I appreciate is that it's saying, how can this be a long-term thing for you? And how can we just be, again, a support system if you need it once you've gotten over that bigger hump in the beginning? And so to see something that looks at all angles of how you coexist with this illness and how you can still enjoy things, even some of the, the questions I've seen popped up in different support groups, things like that, like, can I travel? Can I do this? And at first, in my head, and I will say living with type 2, there's a perspective that I don't always see. And you know, my dad is an insulin-based type 2. So starting to experience that through him since he was so close definitely has given me a realization. But like travel, like if you were to come mm-hmm. visit, we can only be out so long because he's got to do a shot at the end of the day and all these kind of different things. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that is a concern. The first time I wore a CGM to the airport, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about this. Is this going to like fry my arm or something? Like, I just never had those experiences yet because I hadn't been exposed to other options of management that touches on that. And so right. for you to bring in not only the, the, you know, kind of same thing that you do in, in taking care of it, but what about outside of that? What about your mental health? What about hormonal health for women? I really feel learning that PCOS was is very close to being on my radar if I don't keep things in check. And what if I want to have kids? What if I want to do all these things? And it's just, wow, it touches literally everything. So why would we not try to formulate a plan that's flexible to adjust to those different life factors that comes in? And not a lot of places are doing that. And especially not a lot of medical offices are doing that. Not to because they don't have time, but it's not really being talked about. So I really appreciate that you guys provide that in all different areas because you just get, you get tunnel vision sometimes when you get diagnosed and just take the drugs, keep the weight down, do the cardio, 
watching numbers all day, every day. And that, that should be it. Mm-hmm. That should be the answer. It's no, that actually stresses me out more. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna be on the brink of burnout if that's all we're focusing on. And I like the word that you used in that flexible aspect, because that's what it should be. You should have a diagnosis that tailors to you in your life, no matter what your goals or what your journey looks like. Yeah. So that's what we really aim to do is we want to make it flexible for whatever that person is going through in their life. So definitely a, a huge priority of ours. Yeah, I I love it. And I, I love how you started your show to go deeper and have those kind of uncensored conversations because it's there's still so much. And I feel we are seeing uh, and there are great shows out there that, that really uh, touch on the deeper medical side, the history, the scientific kind of thing. But the day to day lifestyle stuff of, hey, I think sexual health is one of the biggest underrated pieces of it. And it was one of the first things that I learned when I was diagnosed from my dad, of all people, of, yeah, sexual health kind of sucks when you have diabetes. I'm like, I, I'm sorry for you both. I don't want to know, though. Like, I know how I got here. But, yeah. but even now, it's, I never thought I would have to think about that. I never thought that would play a role. And it should be talked about. And so yeah. I appreciate that you even take it a step further to, for those who just want to understand or just have a, a dialogue or feel safe. To, can we even talk about this? Bringing that to your show, I think it's been awesome, at least from the episodes that I've heard so far. Yeah. So I want to close out with asking you this question of what's one tip that you would give someone who just feels like they're fighting with their body and their diagnosis? I don't know what it felt like for you, but for me, it was just like, great. Not only are you fat, but now you've got this disease and you you know, can you work with me here? Can you not make my life harder? That was just some of the things that I just kept saying in my mind of like, why does my body hate me? And so I, I would love to hear what you would share to somebody who has that mentality. Yeah. And that's actually a conversation that I just had this week with a few clients, actually. I feel like when we are we have these diagnoses, we, we, there's a spectrum when it comes to our relationship with our body and our diagnosis. And we either find ourselves on one end where we are compartmentalizing diabetes. So let's just say diabetes, is, it's, it's in its own little box. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want diabetes to spread to any other area. We don't want it to be involved in any other area, our social life, our relationships, our career. So we keep it in its own separate little box. Now on the other end of the spectrum, we have where it's all consuming, where diabetes is not just in every other area <laughs> and it's not just in every other box, but it's overflowing the box. There's not much room for any thought process and anything else. We're out with our friends and we're just thinking about our blood sugar. We are watching our monitors all night. What we want to do is have that middle ground where we are coexisting with it. So the first thing I always tell my clients is figure out where you're at. Where is diabetes right now? Are you compartmentalizing it or is it feeling really consuming? Mm. And then I go a step further and identify those different areas of your life, like those areas of wellness, your social life, your career, your finances, your home environment, all those things. Figure out where it is mostly feeling consuming or where you are mostly compartmentalizing it. And then work from there and say, how can I start integrating this diagnosis into these areas? What are some habits that I can just start bringing in? What conversations can I have? What boundaries do I need to lay out for other people or myself? What are some of those things that need to happen for me to feel more of that balance in that area? So I think it all comes down and not like when we think of diabetes and our diagnosis, it can feel really overwhelming because it does, we're taught we make 180 plus decisions every single day. We're taught that it affects every single area, but we're not taught how to handle that. And so we feel really controlled by it. We feel like we are just flying by the seat of our pants and we resent the diagnosis. So if we can start taking control and taking ownership over those areas bit by bit, that's going to make the biggest influence and impact on 
not only our diabetes management, but our life with diabetes. And that's what I really think the, the picture needs to turn into is what do I want this life with diabetes to look like, whether you're type one or type two or insulin dependent or not. It's a, an important question to ask. So that would definitely be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, I love that. I love the concept of reverse engineering things because it's so easy to look at here's where I'm at and here's the big picture where I'm supposed to be. I think of it uh, like a, you see this big, intricate painting, but you you don't think about where did it start. And sometimes it just it starts to draw in the first line and adding in the details and then layering the colors and all these things. It's it's a process in order to create the the full picture. And nobody taught me that. And so I think that's a beautiful piece of advice. So think about what you want it to look like. And then let's step backwards until we get to the one easiest, simple step that you can start to implement. And then once you've overcome that, add and add and add, because it's so overwhelming and you immediately think, I need to take all the things, I need to stop all the things, and, and you're just completely overwhelmed. So I love that. Of see where you're at and then work from there and make it. Lissy, this has been such an informative and great conversation. I am so glad that we got to connect and chat. If people want to connect with you, if they want to join your coaching program or check out a Keeping It 100 Radio, like how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm mostly hanging out on Instagram. So at needles and spoons underscore, I have to say, because I get a lot of questions about that username, just a little side story. So needles comes from obviously the diagnosis of type one diabetes and spoons comes from the spoon theory. If you haven't heard of it, I definitely recommend just doing a quick Google search because it really lays out how people use energy with chronic illnesses. So I always say it's an ironic pairing of things that saved my life. So that story. So for anybody wondering, is I get a lot of questions. <laughs> I, I could see how it could be perceived one way, but I, I got it halfway, but I will definitely get the spoons theory. I, I had no idea that's where that came from. Yeah, it's great. I've gotten, yeah, a lot of comments. So Niels and Spoons underscore on Instagram, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of your podcasting platforms, you can look up Keep You 100 Radio. That's where we're having all those uncensored conversations that we don't really bring into our endos office or that maybe people who your friends and family aren't understanding that really play into your diagnosis. That's on all podcasting platforms. And then if you want to learn more about coaching or we have a ton of free resources, you can go to needlesandspoons.com and find out more there. Awesome. Thank you so much for your just crazy amount of wisdom and understanding. And I'm so glad that you were out there supporting so many of us in our journeys because as you firsthand, it is not easy. But if we can get back into a flow of just that harmony with our bodies and knowing that we can take control, I think that's the part diabetes feels like it's so uncontrollable sometimes that it's impossible to do. So I'm very grateful for what you're doing in the world. Thank you so, so much. And we will catch you guys next time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Man, that was a great convo. Lissy, thank you so much again for your just perspective, wisdom, and everything that you are doing for those living with diabetes and changing not only how we view things, but how we can have a better relationship with our bodies and living with this illness. I think it's super important for that acceptance piece and to understand that you don't have to do all the things and be a master of all things all at once. It didn't work for me. I'm sure it didn't work for a lot of people of trying to do it all at once and just taking it step by step and really trying to understand how you want your life with diabetes to look like and, and feel like, and just take those small steps to it. I'm six years in, I'm still learning, I'm still getting better. And as much as I know this is a long haul thing, I feel a lot better where I am now with my body and diabetes than I did when I started. Be sure to go check out everything that Lissy is doing. Check out her coaching program, her one-on-one -on -one coaching. Check out Keeping It 100 Radio. Um, she's got some great episodes on there that I think a lot of you would enjoy because y'all know I love perspective and it's cool to see how others are 
tackling a lot of the things that we're dealing with when it comes to the diabetes community. Of course, every Tuesday and Thursday is where you can catch new episodes. Go follow on all the things, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. I'm everywhere. The big four, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Leave any feedback on the weekly feedback post. <laughs> that is where you can let me know if you resonate with this week's episodes, if you have any questions, uh, comments, anything that you want to share, or feel free to leave a review. It is always helpful to share, make sure that people know that we're out here and we're having these conversations. And there's a whole community uh, online that is sitting here and having these thoughtful discussions and changing the way that not only we view diabetes, but diabetes with ourselves and that we can all live prosperous lives with it. 